BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party, a podcast for working women that support each other's successes. In each episode, we bring in leading female powerhouses for career, real talk, and BS-free advice. Ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. You know, what you're saying here is like, maybe the end goal isn't worth fighting for. I think about that when I was super thin at that moment where I was really grinding, I got down to like my ideal weight, right? Like I was like, never thought I would get to this weight. And it was the saddest I ever was, the saddest, most miserable. So I got to my goal and I stood there and it was not worth it at all. Hey, everybody, and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to Real Pod, everybody. I hope you're doing well. This episode... This is a moment for me, and you're going to find out why as you listen. I'm not going to spoil it now, but if you are someone that used to obsess, to put it lightly, obsess over models, I'm talking in middle school and high school, I used to have mood boards of Victoria's Secret models, SI models, and just like use them as inspo. Toxic. I know, right? We've grown. We've developed. We've evolved. We don't do that anymore. But I used to. No shame. This episode is for you because today we are going to be sitting down and talking to someone who is that inspo for so many people and getting to hear about her side of the story and her life. Joining me is Emily DiDonato. She is a show-stopping supermodel whose list of accomplishments, you guys, is so long. I'm going to need to take a breath right now before I read them to you. Here we go. She was signed as the face of Maybelline right out of high school. She has covered multiple Vogue magazines and been featured in 10 Vogues total around the world. She has walked for Chanel, Balmain, Louis Vuitton, Givenchy, appeared in advertising campaigns for Oscar de la Renta, Giorgio Armani, Calvin Klein. Guess she's modeled for the Victoria's Secret catalog, and she's also a sports illustrated swimsuit model. 
Yes. And the funny thing is I had to leave some stuff out to make the intro fit. But while all of this stuff is absolutely incredible, what's even cooler about Emily is how down to earth, normal and real she is. Despite all of these accomplishments and so much validation from the most sought after designers in the world, Emily has struggled with her body image. She's dealt with her own set of insecurities and she's experienced rejection too. So good news, folks. Emily DiDonato is just like us. (laughs) She's candid in this interview. She tells all about her experiences in the modeling industry, and she shares what she has done to protect her emotional and spiritual health in a society and industry that is so keen on appearance, something we all need to talk about in here these days. I'm so excited for this conversation. It just might change everything for you as Emily is about to reveal the untold story behind the perfect faces and perfect bodies that we see in magazines. Without further ado, help me give it up for the amazing Emily DiDonato. Emily, I'm so excited to be sitting here with you today. I am a huge fan of yours. And so to see that we were connected on social media, I just thought, this is insane. I can't believe this girl follows me and I need to talk with her more. (laughs) Well, the feeling is mutual because I started with you following you on TikTok and I was like, I love this girl. You put out such great content, such relatable content. I was like engaging, commenting all the things with you. So when I saw you followed me back, I was like, so excited. So the feeling is mutual. Oh my gosh. That means the world. It's like, God bless these apps where you can get in touch with anyone. Cause that doesn't happen on Instagram. I mean, we've both probably been on Instagram our whole lives and not been able to connect on there. Yeah. I feel like, especially with TikTok, because once you're connected with someone, it gives you that little alert, like say hello. And now I just send the cheesiest messages to people. I'm like, (laughs) Hey, love your content. Let's get together. I'm like, who am I? (laughs) Have you ever had moments where you see that from like someone, like, I think I just got that friend notification with someone like really big. And I was like staring at my phone, like, what the heck do I send to this person? I'm like, I have to send something. I don't know what to send. And then I'm turning into this. It's not even me. I'm like, hey, girly girl, love the content. And I'm like, that's not even how I talk. (laughs) I feel the exact same way, but it does open up the conversation, which is great. Like so much connectivity and like conversation and it's great. Yeah. We're going to get into all your accomplishments today as well. And I love how candid you are about modeling and your career and your story on all your social medias, TikTok and YouTube. And I just want to know, how did this all start for you? Did you always want to be a model? What age did you get into it? Yeah. So I started modeling when I was a junior in high school and growing up. I mean, I definitely had my awkward phase. I had braces and glasses, frizzy hair, and my parents wouldn't buy me a hair straightener, you know, like all the (laughs) things going on. But then, you know, later in life, people are always like, oh, you should be a model. Like you should go and be a model. And of course, when people say that to you, I mean, I grew up in a small town in upstate New York. You're like, uh, yeah, that would be great if I could be a model, but that's not something that you just like, uh, here I go, I'm going to go do it. It's a really difficult industry to break into. So of course it was something that like, especially as a kid, I was like, wow, that would be so cool if I could do that. But I was fully planning on going to college in high school. I played a lot of sports. I know you're also an athlete and that was my focus. And I was like, it'd be cool, but I don't know. But then I was at a mall in Connecticut with my mother and a scout was there and they came up to me. And it's funny because I've posted TikToks about this and people are always like, what? I always thought those were scams. And we definitely (laughs) thought it was a scam as well, but it ended up being legit. And then I met with a bunch of agencies 
through that woman and got signed in New York very quickly within like, you know, a few weeks. And then I was working within the week that I got signed. I was shooting Ralph Lauren. Being scouted at a mall is is insane. And also it's like the dream. I feel like every girl who was like 16 is like in a mall any day they're looking cute. Like I'm going to get scouted today for my insane beauty. Like it's just the way that happens is hilarious. And wait, were you shocked at all? I feel like you and your mom had to been like, we all knew this was going to happen. Like you're stunning. I mean, I think that we were super excited, also cautious, right? I was still young, like, and I was in school and my parents were kind of like, you know, my, luckily I grew up so close to New York an hour and a half away. My parents would literally drive me into the city, like in our pickup truck. And they would like wait for me in the car and like be texting me or like calling me like, is everything okay in there? Like what's going on? So I had a very close knit family. They were excited, but also cautious. And I mean, cautious all the way until I was like, 21 years old, because there's so much in this industry that you you can't know everything that's going on. It's not predictable and stuff. So, and I'm glad that they were like that because those are smart parents. I mean, we hear things nowadays and it's just shocking how there's corruption and things that are not okay. in like various Mm -hmm. industries that people weren't even thinking about. So great to hear that they were a few steps ahead of the game. Thank God. Yeah. And so 18, you're in New York, you're modeling full-time. What was that like? Because it sounds like you would be living the dream, but at the same time, I think people think modeling is so glamorous, but when you actually describe what you have to do, it's not so fun. Totally. When I look back now, I'm like, I wish I felt like it was the dream in the moment. Like, I'm like, if I could go back to 18 with my current brain and like outlook on life, it would be the dream. But unfortunately, 18, you know, I'm st- I was still a kid. So when I came here, I think there was a lot of pressure because I decided to throw myself into this very unpredictable industry that I didn't really know it was going to work out. I forego going to college, you know, I forwent that I was like, okay, I'm going to really commit to this. And I think I felt like, oh my God, you know, I, all of my friends, it was like, right. This is going to make me sound super old. It was right when Facebook was like budding, like everyone was (laughs) posting like every single party they ever went to in their Facebook albums. And I remember sitting in my studio apartment, just like looking through all these pictures and being like, what alone, like having no friends in the city. Cause weirdly, none of my friends came to New York. They all went to colleges all over the state, like the U S. So I was like, I think I made a horrible decision. It was like, I felt very anxious, very lonely, very sad. You know, it wasn't like I had anyone to be like, Oh, you know, I didn't have any model friends at the time. And even back then, still now, it's not very often you get connected to other models, especially before social media. So I was really just like here to kind of trying to figure out and find my way and trying to be successful and really like make my way in this industry. So I w- certainly wasn't like out there enjoying New York City and like going to clubs and like doing all of that. I was just kind of like homesick, confused, but also driven, really wanted to be successful. But Unfortunately, with modeling, there's no perfect formula for that. It's like, it's not like other jobs. Like you do your work, you know, you can do everything right. You can be the most beautiful person in the room, but that's not going to make you successful. So it's tricky. That's so interesting that you say you could be the most beautiful person in the room, but not be successful because you just never know what they're looking for. And a director or someone in charge, like they might want a certain look and it's like, maybe not personal to you, but it's just not what they're, and it's art, right? It's not like the art that they want to create. And on your YouTube channel, you were very candid. And I really appreciated this because it's something everyone who's not a model thinks about, right? It's like, 
how are these people staying so beautiful? Like, how are they just kind of managing and maintaining this look? And you were open about quickly understanding that there was a type and Mm -hmm. you, and you were being told as well, you needed to kind of change. Yeah. I came into the industry in 2008 and 2009, and it was very much still girls were about six foot and a double zero, like a literal double zero. And I was always super sporty. And right from the get-go, I was not the right fit. Let's just say that. Like even the few clients that I got early on were like accepting of this in a way. Like they were like, it's okay. We'll make it work. But it wasn't like celebrated in any way, which we can talk about later. Now it, it is. So yeah, I think I just would compare myself to others so much. And I think like all women and everyone who looks at any marketing campaign, commercial, Instagram photo, people always show themselves in their best light. You know, I looked at these other models and I was like, they always look like they're a double zero. They don't look like they ever are bloated when they have their period or, you know, have really bad days or like go home for Thanksgiving and eat for four days. Cause that's <laughs> still what I was doing. You know, like I was like, I don't get how they're like staying so thin all the time. Granted now knowing enough models, I know that they fluctuate too and have their stressors and stuff like that. But I think I was holding myself to the most unrealistic standard aside from being like super thin. I wanted to stay thin all the time. And it's like, it's just not going to happen for anyone. Like, so just don't bother. Right. It's like, if you have to actively every single day, control what you eat, minimize what you eat, like to maintain a specific body type and and vice versa, right? When you have to overeat or over drink protein shakes, like then it's probably not the natural shape you're supposed to have because you can't maintain it naturally. Exactly. I just think like, it's like your body is going to change no matter what, even if you do everything right, even if you're eating only this much, like there's been multiple times where I went like vegan or went to like super fancy nutritionists in New York and only drank shakes for a week to lose weight for a job that didn't make anything better. You know what I mean? Your body's going to find its way, whether you like it or not. And it's also just such a battle. And when I finally got to the point where I was like, I'm going to stop fighting this so hard. It's not that big of a deal that I'm like a size six. Like it's just, I just need to come to peace with that or else I'll be battling for the rest of my life. The unique thing too about your story is, and just modeling is your body is a reason you get or don't get a job. So Mm -hmm. it's not like you're just someone who's like, oh, I'm unhappy and I want to change the way I look, but I can go work my job. It's like you are getting scrutinized every single day. And you even have once told a story about flying all the way to Europe for them to look you up and down and say no, and then fly you back home. I just can't imagine how that feels. Yeah, I, that was, that was tough. And honestly, that wasn't that long ago. So even though I think I've grown so much like mentally and emotionally, that still hit like a ton of bricks, right? Like I, I got booked for this very fancy campaign with a very high fashion brand, you know, it was great for my career. And I went there, I flew all, I red eyed into this job and I arrived and I sat around till like 3 PM. And I was like, this is the easiest day of work of my life. Like we must only be doing like one picture. And then someone came out and was just like, listen, um, you can just go back to your hotel. And I was like, okay, like that sounds good. Cause obviously on the shoot, no one's going to be like direct and be like, Hey, by the way, we think you don't look good. So you can just get the heck out. 
And then I went back to my hotel room. My agent called me and they were like, listen, they're not happy. They don't like the way that you look in the clothes. They don't think the clothes are fitting you quite right. And all these things. And I was just like, and I remember I ate every single thing in the hotel room. I ate every piece of candy, every chip, every, cause I think I was just so mad at myself wanting to rebel in a way. Like, cause I was just like, you know what? I'm in Milan now in this fancy ass hotel. <laughs> and if you think I'm fat, I'll show you fat. <laughs> <sighs> I'm glad that this happened recently. I didn't know that when I saw the video, yeah. but because you are right, you're in a different headspace now. Something else that really made me happy just for the goodness of genuine people and friends is you said that around the time early on, I think like 19, 20 years old, whenever it was, you actually had two friends confront you about kind of the change in your body yeah, because they were concerned. And that's really difficult to do. And so I'm mm-hmm. curious, like, how did they approach you? What did they say? Did you feel open to talk to them? Because it sounded like it was successful. And so I think for anyone listening, this is kind of an important interaction to understand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was luckily one of these people was a makeup artist that I worked with all the time. And she just kind of sat me down in the makeup chair and she kind of had this motherly, very caring energy. On one hand, she was very stern and serious all the time, but she was also very sweet and genuinely cared about me and my well being, which, like you just said, is not common. I mean, in life and especially in a work context, right? Like someone is like, I'm genuinely concerned for your well-being. And she actually framed it in a way where she was just like, this doesn't look good on you and this isn't helping you. And, you know, people are not happy with the way that you look right now on this set. Like they know something's not right, which in the moment just totally instilled fear and anxiety in me. Cause like, of course that like, you know, go getting hustling, wanting to be successful side of me was like, wait, no way I'm doing everything right. Like I'm like super thin, like this should be what they want where you're, you're crazy, like no way. And then I had another friend who was actually a model and it, it was on the same set. And she was just like, cause she was so sweet, like such a wonderful friend that I've had for many years now. And she was just like, Emily, like what is going on? Like, you don't seem happy. You don't look good. Like this just, this doesn't look like you, this doesn't look right. Like I think both of them reflected like, this doesn't look natural for you. And we can tell, you know, you can tell when someone is really battling their natural figure. I think like it just looked difficult. And it was, I was working out for hours a day, hours, like trying so hard, being super restrictive. So then after that, also I had a client threaten to kind of not threaten, but somebody basically said like, they might not want to work with you anymore because you look so different you know, you just look so different. And I did. And body, mind, spirit, I was a different person because I was in a very dark place. So I was like, oh my God, forget this. I was like, this isn't even working. I'm fighting so hard and I'm going to lose one of the most important things that I have right now is like consistent work with this client, whatever it is. So I was just like, you know what, forget it. I'm just gonna ease up. I'm gonna ease up. I'm gonna stop working out so much and do all of this, which then brought a whole other plethora of issues because then you gain weight and dealing with that emotionally was hard too. It's the cycle. It's the up and down. And yeah. I've experienced something similar, just so you know, like, you know, yeah. you're not alone. And I, cause I know you're putting your heart out there right now in this interview. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously I wasn't a model, but it's just see that restriction and then you cave and then you feel like you gain weight. So then you feel that guilt and shame and you want to restrict again. But I'm so glad that you received that conversation well, and that those two people in the industry said something because 
I mean, from the outside looking in, I might've thought people would be like, oh, great job. What are you doing? Like, how do I do what you're doing? Because you kind of think the culture can be toxic like that. So I mean, so special that you had those two people kind of say something to you and that you were open to receiving. So you ended up starting to let up, get healthy, the body changes. And then I don't know exactly what the timeline is, but tell me when Sports Illustrated came for the first time. Yeah. So Sports Illustrated, I want to say that was 2012 was the first year that I did it. So I gained this weight back and I was in this weird limbo weight where I wasn't straight size and I wasn't plus size. That was always the thing. People were like, well, she's not plus and she's not straight size, whatever. But I had always wanted to do Sports Illustrated. So I told my agent that and he was kind of like, really? Like, do you really want to do that? It's like super sexy and all these things. And I was like, and honestly, I had always had two things I wanted to do, Victoria's Secret and Sports Illustrated. Victoria's Secret was like, hell no. Like front always like she's not Right. <laughs> Wait, we all have, the I want to get into that because I have some thoughts about Victoria's <laughs> Secret. So we can start with SI. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right, SI does use women of different shapes and sizes. I think this was like the second year that Kate Upton was on the cover. And they were actually one of the first magazines, I have to say, that were using women of different shapes and sizes. And I still stand by the fact that I do not think that they did that to like be trendy or be like, look at us, we're body positive, which to be honest, I think a lot of brands and people are doing now. Like they're like, oh yeah, we use like- We're like, we see you. We know you're late. You're bandwagon. We're like, this is, yeah. (laughs) Whereas I was early on, but I did mention this in my body positivity video. Although I did that shoot in 2012, it was in Namibia. It was amazing. I was so excited. I didn't feel great when I shot that because it was, you know, during that period where I had gained a lot of weight and I was fluctuating quite a lot. I couldn't find my way just yet. And when I saw the images come out, I was just like, oh my God, I look so fat. Like I literally was like, I am appalled. I'm embarrassed. I cried hysterically when I saw them. I remember I called one of my best friends and I was like, I just want to die. I hate these pictures so much. Now looking back, I look completely fine. They're great photos, but I was still in this mindset, you know, you have that body dysmorphia where you see, I would see that I saw the pictures and I was like, oh my God, I'm so big and everyone's going to know I'm big. And that was so scary to me that it was like out in the open. It's so true that beauty's in the eye of the beholder because I am not kidding you when I say the SI pictures are like, we're literally like my screensaver in high school for like motivation, totally. not necessarily you, um, which thank God that would have been really creepy, but I do have a creepy story for you that I'll tell in a little bit, but like those are the, and then, and when you mentioned the Namibia, Namibia shoot, of course I'm looking it up before the interview and I'm looking at these pictures, like, I'm like, this would literally have been my, my background on my phone. Had I seen it when I was 16 in like a sick, twisted way of like looking at these body types, like these are perfect. And then here you are the model in the picture in your life crying about not liking the way you look. Yeah. And I think I had guilt around that as well, because I was supposed to be so excited, right? This was a huge moment in my career and it was, but I was just like, I couldn't get out of my head and my heart like what I was seeing. And I know you've mentioned similar things in terms of like altering your photos. Like you see something that just no one else would see because we're so hard on ourselves. Right. And I mean, it was all set up for you to feel like you were picking yourself apart, just given like everything you'd been through. So shifting to VS, which I just, and I want to say like, actually I 
Okay. I, it's time for me to tell you my weird story. Okay. So, I'm excited for this story. <laughs> no, like I, I literally, I think I went around to like five people. Like, do I tell her this story or like, is she going to leave the interview? Like this girl's a stalker, but, um, okay. What year did you do Aqua de Joya? It's already getting oh weird. God, that was like 2010. <laughs> 2010. Okay. So I'm trying to subtract and see how old I was. I'm it's 2020. I'm 23. I was like 13. Okay. So I'm in an airport. You're already looking at me like, you're right. This is a really great eye creepy. I'm in an airport and I see this picture of you, the Aqua de Joya perfume. They had it on like some huge billboard. And I was 13. I look at this picture. I'm like, that is the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my life. And like, this is when I was starting to look at like magazines. I think Transformers came out. I was looking at Megan Fox. Like I was just, the standard of beauty was very real for me at the time. So I, I like take this picture on my phone and then I look up like Aqua de Joya model. And I just thought like, this girl is so beautiful. Like I wish I was her. Like I wish I looked like her. So, okay. Are you still... Can you still look no, at me the same? I, this is adorable. Are you kidding me? First, I can't believe you're only 13 seeing this. Like, yes. It makes me laugh, but I love it. No, it's yes. not at all. So, but, and so it's just now, like, this full circle moment to sit here and have you talk about, like, for me to think, I think we all think there's a level of beauty or there's a, an approval or an anointment or an SI swimsuit model or a VS model, like, box that if you check it one day, you're going to be certified beautiful and, like, everyone's looking at you and you never have to feel insecure. So I just kind of tell that story to show that, like, whoever's listening or whoever we all look at and think in life this person is so beautiful. And if I could look like them, I would never feel insecure. I would never have problems. I mean, here we are in that exact situation and you're, you are the girl and you're telling me I was insecure and I still have those days, which I just think is so important, which is kind of why I wanted to tell no, a that's, story. That's so funny that it's that full circle moment for you. Like that's too funny. And when I think about that commercial and filming that commercial, even then I did not feel confident. I didn't feel thin enough. I didn't feel enough period. Like I remember being so concerned about that. And it's like, it's ridiculous. When I look back now, I'm like, that's such a beautiful commercial. And I wish I could have enjoyed the way, not, not enjoyed the way that I looked, but I think the unfortunate thing about when you're feeling so down on yourself and you're obsessed with the way that you look and all those things, you lose out on so many amazing moments because you're too busy being mean to yourself. And like, you know what I mean? It's just sucks. Yes, yes. And also it's just like, if this woman who's covered Vogue and been on Sports Illustrated and been in a Victoria's Secret catalog is feeling insecure, I mean, what does that say about maybe the society we all live in? Is mm-hmm. there an end game? I mean, you've also probably been in rooms with some of the most uh, famous supermodels because you are yeah. one. And I'm sure you've seen firsthand that no one is hundred percent happy. No one is hundred percent confident in how they look. And exactly. I mean, I don't bring this point up to make people feel like there's no hope, but more so maybe this is not a fight worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. Maybe ex- you know, working towards acceptance or just being okay is, is the safer, less hard battle that actually has an end. Yeah. Completely. First of all, I do want to say I speak about this openly and freely about how I feel being a model and being insecure and all of those things. But going back to what you were saying, yes, I have been in the room with many supermodels, beautiful. You, the ideal woman to me, I thought almost every model I've met, I mean, this might be a little bit like dramatic. Almost everyone has insecurities, thinks about how they look, thinks about their weight, you know, are conscious of all of these things, whether they want to admit it or not. 
it's just kind of, and have insecurities. They just do. It's just like, you know, this is a tough industry and rightfully so, but Yes, I agree that like, and I even, you know, what you're saying here is like, maybe the end goal isn't worth fighting for. I think about that when I was super thin at that moment where I was really grinding, I got down to like my ideal weight, right? Like I was like, never thought I would get to this weight. And it was the saddest I ever was the saddest, most miserable. So I got to my goal and I stood there and it was not worth it at all. (laughs) It's so powerful to hear you say that. The other thing too, is you said all these models have something all these models are human and all humans are going through something, have something being on the cover of this magazine or walking this fashion show doesn't mean you're immune to family problems, insecurity, being rejected by someone. And as I've gotten older and I've had conversations, especially conversations with people like you who literally were those inspo models for me, it just really puts it into perspective, maybe how much we focus on the appearance part of our lives, but how little that actually plays a role in actual happiness. Totally. And you brought up Victoria's Secret earlier. I just want to talk about it. We can make it quick, whatever you want to do, just because I think the way it's kind of ended for you is badass and powerful. <laughs> and I want to analyze it right when we get there, but would you mind kind of giving us the little Victoria's Secret story? Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I did a video or I addressed it on a in a video on my YouTube channel, which was risky in the moment because I was kind of like, you know, they could have still been someone I could have worked with. But yeah, the question I would always get on my socials would be like, why don't you do Victoria's Secret? Why don't you do the Victoria's Secret fashion show? Why, why, why? You know, when people like on Instagram or whatever, they just, it would always be my number one question. And the truth was that I would go to the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show casting every year, you know, for like four or five years. And every year was the same. The feedback was the same, that I was too big, too curvy, not right, you know, all of these things. And I just got so mad and burnt out from it. You know, even being invited to that casting, this was years ago, obviously, was a really big accomplishment as a model. They don't just let anyone just like walk into the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show casting. I would go and get invited and get super amped up and like over-exercise, eat very little, be doing like three soul cycle classes a day, all this stuff, walk in there so nervous, like get in my underwear, do the, the whole thing now. I'm just like, it feels so weird to even think about it. But yeah, I think the fourth or fifth time that I went and I got that feedback and I was definitely like fit, very fit, very in shape, very small. And I was just like, I'm so over this. This is not moving the needle for me. Every time I do this, it just sets me back spiritually and emotionally so far, you know, like every year with age, I feel like I would feel a little bit better, a little more confident, a little more sturdy. And then I would go to this casting and have my hopes and dreams, like, you know, depending on this. And every year the feedback was the same that I was too big and not right. And I was just like, this isn't worth it. it. It crushes my soul. It makes me feel horrible about myself. I'm over it. So I told my agency that, and they were like, uh, what? Like, I was just like, that's it. I'm good. I am literally done. This makes me feel horrible. And I don't want to try to do this show anymore. It's, it's not worth it. So yeah, looking back, I'm like, I think I was only like 23 or so when I like made that decision. And yeah, it just never panned out. And I think it was for the best. Certified <laughs> badass, Emily. I mean, that is just so empowering. And just along with what we were just saying, you have to realize 
this is not attainable. It is attainable. I, if I was Victoria's Secret casting, I would have just had 20 Emily's. But, <laughs> you know, you have to think like, this is constantly not going my way and it's hurting me, like you said, spiritually and emotionally. So why am I even allowing this to happen to me? Because I don't have to. And I think that is a message for so many people, no matter what they're doing in life, is if something's not good for you, let's make a change. And I, I bet it took a lot of courage and feeling self-confident and feeling independent to do that. Because like you said, Victoria's Secret Fashion Show is such the like, I mean, at least two years ago, I would say every single girl knew that fashion show, watched that fashion Mm -hmm. show, thought it was like the, you know, anointment. So to just be like, I don't even want to try out. I'm I'm done getting rejected from these people is so incredible. Like, I think that's Mm -hmm. the coolest thing ever. Thank you. And the other thing that I will add with that in terms of like closing that door for myself, what I did ask myself or tell myself was like, okay, clearly I'm not right for this. They had the same feedback. They're saying all these things. Who am I right for? Who does want me? Who is going to celebrate me? And you know what? I'm super lucky that there were plenty of brands who are willing to celebrate me and work with me and were totally excited to work with me just as I was. So why was I focusing and so heavy hearted? It's like trying to get a boy to like you. It's just not going to happen. Like there's no point. You have to like yourself and there's plenty of other people who are going to like you. So why wouldn't you just focus on those things? You know what I mean? And everyone's going to get rejection or failure in some place in their life. And I actually Mm -hmm. saw a question. We're talking about questions on Instagram the other day that said, you know, how do I accept failure? And the truth is people who are more successful than you have failed more than you. You don't get to the top by just winning all the time. You have to get there through the failure and then picking yourself back up. And here you've covered multiple Vogues. You're a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. You are the face of Maybelline. Like you have all of these things and there's still a no, which just once again goes to show successful, accomplished people we idolize are going to experience failure just like us. And it's how we respond to those things. Exactly. Completely agree. Completely. What are your thoughts on the shift in the modeling industry now? I mean, because there's no Victoria's Secret fashion show, which I was like, hallelujah, this is basically just a day that makes every girl in America feel bad about themselves and probably not eat for a week. So, I mean, that's not even happening. We are seeing my friend Christy Valdeseri, who you might know is the centerfold, has alopecia, bald in Sports Illustrated Swim, just incredible things that are happening. And what is your thought now, knowing everything you've been through being in this industry? Are you like, finally, thank you. This is so needed. Have you seen people kind of in the industry reject it? Like this is in high fashion. Give me the tea. Yeah, I'll give you the tea. Well, first of all, Victoria's Secret Fashion Show not happening right now, I think I agree is for the best. I was definitely a very young girl watching that show as a kid and it made me feel absolutely horrible about myself. And obviously that also led into later in life. It still made me feel horrible about myself. So that chapter for now is closed. I think that's fine. In terms of how things are changing now, I mean, I'm so excited about it. The thing is, if I had been able to see, you know, a woman who is a size six, eight, ten in magazines and in catalogs and on billboards when I was younger, I think that would have made me feel so different about my body. You know, so I think about it from like the perspective of if I was younger, seeing women of all different shapes and sizes, how great that would have made me feel. As a model, when I started seeing that transition, honestly, one of the first people that I can really remember is when Kate Upton was on the cover of SI and she was curvy and First of all, like you say curvy, like she's like a perfectly normal, like size, like she's just a beautiful woman. She's still even like thinner than average, which is crazy how for the modeling industry, that's like an accomplishment. 
Totally. Like it was, but it just wasn't the typical, you know, six pack abs, you know, super right. thin person on the cover, let's say, or, you know, in, that I would see in magazines. And I just remember feeling this massive feeling of relief because it just felt like that barricade or that like big exclusive fence that was around our industry was slowly getting knocked down, whether you liked it or not, you know, because people were just starting to celebrate more women of shapes and sizes. And I think obviously these brands could see the response, I'm sure, from consumers. They were probably enthusiastic. I don't know this for sure. But, you know, when I think of another brand who did this really well, Aerie, which I'm from American Eagle, they did a great job with that. And people love Aerie for the way that they, you know, the models that they choose, the people that they choose. So for me, I was so excited. And it also just, I just think it is the best thing ever to have a representation of women of all different shapes and sizes and stop pushing this ideal that women should be, you know, this double zero with six pack abs and like, big boobs. And like, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous and it's exhausting. And I'm glad that our industry is slowly just starting to push that image farther and farther out. How do you navigate being in the industry today, knowing what you knew? And while we are seeing a lot of these shifts you just mentioned, there are still many, many brands, designers that are still doing this, you know, high fashion look that we both feel is outdated. How do you navigate an environment that was once toxic for you to make it healthy? An environment, like a work environment? Yeah. Just the reality that you are probably going to have an experience again in your life where you go to a casting and you don't get the gig. And obviously it's correlated to how you look. Yeah. So that's, that's taken a lot of time and just general growth. But I think when I have moments that come up like that, even still, now I just try not to take things so personally. Like that's been the biggest thing that's made a difference for me. Like when a brand is like, oh, she's not quite right. Or it's this or it's that. I used to be like, oh my God, like they don't think I'm beautiful. Like soul crushed. Like this is insane. It's horrible. Or actually when you like flip it or think about it and I've had this experience, it's like, no, they just decided to go with a blonde or they decided to do a totally different direction. It actually has nothing to do with you and the way that you look. So more often than not, I try to veer more towards not taking things personally and saying like, you know what, maybe I didn't get that job, but it's maybe for a totally different reason that has nothing to do with me. Or maybe it's just, you know, something else better or more right for me will come along. And I have faith in that, you know, just having faith in the universe and know that's cheesy, that the right thing's going to come into your life and it will make a lot more sense. I try to always remind myself. It's incredible how you've made so many positive strides towards protecting your spiritual and emotional well-being, developing a better relationship with your body and your confidence. And I obviously knew I loved you just from our relationship online and Aqua de Joya TBT. But when I saw that you were a fan of mindful eating, I was like, this girl is iconic because mindful intuitive eating is my, it's my practice with food. And I think it's so powerful. I saw you did a video on it. Is this something you try to practice day to day? Is it just something you're interested in? What, what was the shift like from that, you know, restriction and being very aware of food to now this more mindful, holistic approach? Totally. So I went from being super restrictive and I was still restrictive. And I said this in my video up until like two years ago, like I still thought carbs were horrible and going to make me fat and like not eating like bread or rice or any of these things. 
But then later, as I actually started working out a lot harder and lifting weights, I realized that my body's needs were very different. Like I actually needed carbs and I loved lifting weights so much. And I was like, I actually like need carbs some days. I feel like I need a lot of carbs. And some days I feel like I need less food. And it, it just depends on what's going on in my life where my stress levels are at, where my hormone levels are at, where I'm at in my cycle. There's so many things that have like a impact on like my hunger levels and what I feel like eating that day. So I think I was kind of like, you know, I feel better on days where I work out really hard or lift really heavy when I have more carbohydrates that day. And then there are other days where I want to eat super light and just eat salads. And that's like, feels good for me. But I think just removing barriers and removing rules helped me so much because I think, I don't know about you, but for me, when I can't eat this, 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 and this, that's all I want to eat is that, that, that like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just the human mind is, you know, we torture ourselves. So I think I was just like, I can eat anything I want uh, every day can be different. And if I feel like eating, you know, a cheeseburger, I'm going to do that. But do I really want that? Can I check in with myself and say like, what is my body really craving right now? And I see that you do that a lot on your TikTok, which I really appreciate. Cause you're like, what do I feel like eating? Like, yeah, it's like a spiritual experience. I'm like, I want yeah. food right now. Let's spend 10 minutes figuring this out. <laughs> yeah. I think just taking that moment to pause though, and be like, well, what is it that I want? is so powerful because like, I think usually you're just like, okay, like I'm just going to go in the fridge and like start eating or it's like, well, can we think about what the body is really craving? A thousand percent. And it's so it's, it's one thing when I try to tell people who follow me it, but I think to hear it from you, especially is just going to be hopefully something that encourages people to try shifting the gears in their own life. And something else to talking about just admiring you is you hustle, like you work very hard you know, people, I think from the outside looking in on the content world are like, oh, great. I listen to your podcast once a week. I watch your YouTube video once a week. I like your Instagram. I watch your TikToks. And it's like someone is making those, creating those, editing those and putting them out there. And you built a brand around Emily Donato. Aside from any other brand or designer you've worked with, you are developing a fan base that is here for you and your life. And that's not easy. So First of all, I just wanted to say I respect that, especially as someone in the Thank same you. field. And kind of what inspired you to want to evolve and take up those various platforms? Because many other supermodels could just be like, I'm fine with my contracts and I live a comfortable mm-hmm. life. But you went the extra mile of wanting to spend all this time creating. Yeah. I think it all started for me when I started my YouTube channel like two and a half years ago. I started that because I felt like I had so much more to say and to share And I felt like my modeling career and modeling in general was so two-dimensional. And I was like, these people don't even know what I'm like. And one thing that always stood out for me when I would do a video speaking or talk on my Instagram or, you know, do a behind the scenes video, people would always be like, whoa, I never expected her to sound like that. I think from (laughs) Aqua de Joya, people probably thought I was like this glamazon, super exotic. And then this super American girl comes out and they're like, what's that? People don't even know what I'm like, but people always like people would mention they saw, knew my face or I was familiar and all these things. So I was like, I want to share more. I have more to say. And I want to kind of see if I can do it. When I started my YouTube channel, it was a total experiment. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay consistent. I'm really going to try. I really want to connect with all of these people who follow me on Instagram already and more people I want to connect with. So I started and then I realized the thing that I love the most that I was very surprised by was the total creative process around it. I love editing. I love organizing things. I love 
producing, you know, these things make me so excited. So it was never for me about, which I think was a great thing. Like I wanted more followers. It's not why I did it. I just had more to share. Yeah. So then I just really liked the creative process and I really liked what it did for my confidence too. Like, I think as a model, I always felt like I really did sit on the fact that I was like, okay, I'm like pretty and I make money for like shutting up and being pretty. And I would even joke about that. I still joke about that. You know, it's like, I'd be like, okay, like I'm just going to shut up and do my job and you guys can take pictures of me and clothes and stuff and I'm done and that's it. And I really started to believe that that's all I was good for and all I could do. But then when I started creating videos and content that resonated with people and that they enjoyed, I was like, wait, people are relating to me. They care about what I have to say, not just like being perfectly, you know, done up in an image. And then that was just super inspiring to me. And then I just leaked everywhere else. And I was like, I'm doing TikTok and I was doing Instagram, like doing all the things. But yes, it does require a lot of planning and like producing and thought, you know, sometimes I just sit in my room and think about what do I want to say? What do I want to share? What's a smart way for me to do that? So thank you, I should say for (laughs) appreciating that because it does from the outside just look like there's some content all over. (laughs) Right. Something else too is you saw that there was part of you you wanted to share and that was not a platform being given to you by anyone else. So you created it for yourself. And I think that that is a big lesson to everyone these days is we're no longer in a society where you have to wait for the yes or the okay. There are obviously jobs and promotions and certain things that, yeah, you're going to need a yes for. But similar to me, like when I look at my podcast, of course, I would love to have a TV show. Of course, I would love to be doing YouTube videos for, I don't know, Vogue channel as like a reporter, but I'm not getting those gigs. Those people don't know me. So I can grab a mic, grab a recorder, and make my own show and put out what I want to put out. And I don't need someone else to approve it for me. And I think you did the exact same thing with wanting to, like, if if I'm going to go to this shoot and I'm going to be a cover girl, but I'm not going to get interviewed and no one's going to know like what my life is like, then I'm going to decide to share it elsewhere. Totally. Having that ownership of like your story and your narrative and what you want to say. And it's funny, like kind of going back to what you were saying earlier in terms of the shift that's happened in this industry. When I first started, things were very polished, very perfect. You know, a photographer would take your picture and like do all these things. Now on shoots, people are like, can you create content while you're here? Can you take photos? Like, because people want to feel that closeness and what you create is actually now what resonates with people more than like a super high-end photographer and hair and makeup and the perfect outfit. It's slowly becoming to me a little bit outdated. You know what I mean? And now the content you create can be more valuable and more interesting to people than like what you said someone else can do for you. So true. Wow. It's interesting how that you get that full circle moment of people being, Emily, will you do a vlog when you're on this shoot? And you're like, what was that now? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And they're like, oh, we're trying to make this picture look like it's a selfie, but it's not. So like, how would you take it? I'm like, (laughs) you're like, I charge extra for that. (laughs) What inspired you to be so open and just share all the ups and downs you've been through and share the Victoria's Secret story? Like, and I obviously am one who loves sharing and vulnerability, but there are many other models who have had similar rejections, similar issues with their bodies that still don't feel confident sharing. So what was the first time you ever kind of opened up about something like this? And where'd you find that courage? Yeah. You know, I think not to repeat myself, but starting my YouTube channel really kind of pulled the curtain behind the perfect facade and like two-dimensional image that I think people were used to seeing. And I think 
I, it never resonated with me to try to give off this like super glamazon, perfect life influencer. I didn't have a desire to portray that. It just didn't come naturally to me. You know, I just wanted to speak to the camera like it was my best friend and share things like, this is who I really am. This is what's really going on in my life. It just did not feel right to be like, yeah, so like everything's perfect and my relationship's <laughs> perfect. And like, it, because it's, it's just, it's just not. And I think especially with Instagram, it's really easy to run with that and just show our perfect lives and all that. But especially with video content, I was just like, I just want to be myself. And I don't feel like fighting that and trying to be, be perfect on camera 24 seven. I already do that at work. That's what I do for modeling, but this is me. And this is what I want to say. So having that own ownership and just, you know, feeling good about the content I was creating, it had to be authentically me. There was no other route, especially if it was content that I was producing and editing. Like, you know, you, if you edit your own content, you're like, this is cringe if you're not being yourself, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. just weird. So yeah, that's just what kind of inspired. And then I think if once I started doing that, I realized that it resonated with people and there was no going back, right? Like, it's just like, this is who I am and people like it. And that's inspiring. Like, I'm excited that these people on the internet want to be my friend, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. And I admire it so much. And like I said, to, 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 for 13 year old me <laughs> to be sitting here with the aqua de joya girl and for her to say <laughs> she's felt insecure too. It's crazy. <laughs> That is too funny. I, that like, that makes me laugh and it's not creepy at all. It's like a lot of how a lot of people like know me and recognize my face. So I'm flattered, but you do such an incredible job. Seriously. I seriously enjoy all of your content so much. And you're, I can't believe you're you're only 23. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I wish I had someone like you when I was 23, you know, and I, I did not So you're doing a really good job. And I'm sure so many young girls are looking at you and going like, Thank God someone said it, you know? Oh my gosh. That means the world coming from you, Emily. Thank you so much. And I say the same to you. I mean, I just loved this conversation today. I can see so many people listening to this and being like, wow, wow, wow. I have a whole new perspective when I see these supermodels. And I mean, your vulnerability and everything you shared. I'm just so grateful. So thank you. Thank you so much. I can't wait to hear it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Real Pod. If you want to keep up with Emily DiDonato, make sure you go follow her social media. You can find her on Instagram at Emily DiDonato. She also has a YouTube channel, which is amazing, as well as a website with all of her other blog-styled content. So make sure you go follow Emily, support her, and keep up with everything she's doing. She is such a cool human being. If you guys enjoyed this episode of Real Pod, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. That would mean so much to me if you're enjoying it. And also, if you enjoyed this episode and you thought it was funny and you thought it was real and you thought it was helpful, please send it to a friend. Send it to someone who you think would really get something out of listening to this. Just share the episode. Share the pod would mean the world to me. You can follow us on Instagram at RealPod. You can follow me at Victoria Garrick. And I hope to see you back here next week. Make sure you subscribe. And as always, keep it real.